This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, Six Nations and Coquitlam go toe-to-toe for the Minto Cup in a best of five. Pat Gregoire will check in from Brampton. The WLA Finals are two games deep while the MSL Final gets going on Tuesday on the road to the Man Cup. Speaking of the WLA, they announced their all-star teams on Tuesday and the NLL Junior Tournament goes in Oakville. All that and more on OTCB. What is up, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. My name is Teddy Jenner. As always, if you want to get a hold of me at the show, you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Also this week, the MLL had their championship finals. It was Ohio versus Denver. We'll check in uh, with a little clip from the crew down at LAC Sportsnet. Uh, Travis Elridge, Hank Hawkins, they caught up with Scotty Rogers uh, after the game. So we'll hear a little clip from the big rig. Uh, we'll also touch base um, on the story that I didn't talk about last week, and that was the success of Alberta lacrosse in the national championships of minor. And most importantly, the midget national championships where Alberta had a shocking win uh, for the gold upsetting Ontario. So we'll talk about that. It kind of goes in relation uh, with the Minto Cup. That's why I kind of wanted why I wanted to discuss it last week. But I have a terrible brain, and sometimes I forget these things. I'm not going to forget it this week, though. Earlier in the day, I was on with the crew from Lack Sportsnet, uh, specifically my boy Emerson. Um, what a fantastic dude. Um, he calls himself an Instagram model. I can probably see why. Good-looking fella. Uh, but we were talking heavily about the Western Lacrosse Association finals. Um, I actually did two WLA interviews today um, just talking about uh, the series between two historic clubs in Canadian lacrosse, iconic franchises, Victoria, New West, and it's been a great series so far. New West won game one, nine, seven. Victoria came back with an 11-5 win in game two. Uh, They were really buoyed by the return of not only Reese Dutch in Game 1, but the return of Joe Reza Terrets for Game 2. And the Shamrocks offense exploded for 11. Uh, they were down 3 nothing. They came back. I think they scored. I think it was an 8-0 run at one point throughout that game before the, the bellies got, you know, were able to stop the momentum a bit. But Victoria ran away with Game 2. So Game 3 goes tonight in that series. Um, Brad Chowner, Brandon Astle have the call and play full screen. Um, by the time you're listening to this, the game's probably already started or over, so might be a moot point. However, uh, the series is going to be a fantastic one. And I still think it goes six. That's kind of that was my original feeling on this series. And you know, two games in, I'm kind of still leaning that way. But the way Victoria was able to control New West, limit their offensive chances. Um, I don't know. It, it could Victoria could have an opportunity to to bang off a few in a row here and really put New West behind the eight ball. But I think New West is a a team that still has the ability um, to compete with Victoria. Alex Bouquet is still playing really well in net. They just had an off night, and much like Victoria has had off nights in these playoffs, every team has an off night in these playoffs. But you can't have two off nights and. Tonight, Game 3 is a pivotal game in this series. New S doesn't want to go down 2-1 heading back to Victoria. 
Um, Victoria kind of has the ball, you know, sort of in their court. You know, if they fall down 2-1, they get to come back home uh, for Game 4 on Friday. So a little less pressure off them. But I think Victoria wants to keep this momentum going. Bob Hayes said um, countless times in the media, and he said to me before Game 2 that uh, expect a different team uh, expect a different look from his club over the next few games because he felt they didn't play very well uh, in game one and they really showed it after, you know, they kind of were slapped around the opening part of that first period of game two. Down 3 nothing with five minutes to go. And Victoria was asleep at the wheel. They just couldn't get anything going. They were, they were sloppy looking. Um, they couldn't get the offense inside. But then all of a sudden it just clicked and they rattled off uh, four straight or five straight right to end the period, and they really took control of that game, and Nuest didn't have a counterpunch. And so Victoria, if they're going to be successful in this series, they have to keep playing with that energy that they had over the final 45 minutes of that game and not what they came with in game one or the first part of that period in game two. For the Salmon Bellies, um, like I said, they are a very talented team. I think if they can keep themselves a out of the penalty box and b i would love to see them run a transition game and play a transition game with victoria but um i one of the reasons i really think new west or sorry burnaby had success against victoria was at times they just slowed that pace down and didn't allow victoria to run and when you don't allow the shamrocks to run a lot of their weapons become uh silenced priolo Haas, burns um, the loss of Danny Smith, I think, is going to be huge for Victoria. He had to go back to Robert Morris. Um, sounds like Marshall King might get a call up and maybe get a chance to play uh, for the big club tonight in Game 3. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. But this is still a series that has a long way to go. Um, both coaches, Bob Hayes and, and Steve Goodwin, are confident in their groups that – now in a best of five, as it were, and as it is, that their teams can come out on top. So game three goes tonight, uh, 6 o'clock face-off here in uh, B.C., 9 o'clock out east. And for all you Eastern folks, if you're just getting home from uh, the MSL finals, game one between Six Nations and Peterborough, flip on the old internet box and check out the game. So uh, lots of lacrosse being played right now. So that's the WLA. Uh, and the WLA Finals that are going on, series tied 1-1. Out East, game one of the MSL Finals goes tonight, as mentioned, between the Lakers and the Chiefs, 8 p.m. Eastern. So it gets going in just under um, an hour's time here. And I think this is going to be just an absolute bloodbath of a series. I, I think I looked it up, and I think this is the fourth straight year these two clubs have met in the MSL Finals. Uh, game one goes tonight. Game two, Thursday. Game three, Sunday. Game four, Tuesday. Uh, and then Thursday, Sunday, Monday for all if necessary. I think we're going at least six in this series, much like the Victoria New West Series. Uh, won't surprise me at all uh, if the MSL Final goes seven because these two teams, as much as there was a bit of a space between the regular season, that a lot of that had to do uh, with Six Nations missing guys, um, in and out of the lineup for whatever reasons, injuries, uh, MLL, duties, just taking time off, whatever it may be, uh, these two teams are evenly matched. And I think it's a battle of attrition over these series. Home floor is going to be hugely important. And I like um, 
I don't know who I'm going to take in this series. I, I just have a hate on for the Lakers just because I lost so many man cups to them. So um, I'm going to say Chiefs in seven. I'll go with it. Chiefs in seven. Uh, we'll let you know on MSL Awards whenever they get announced. I uh, haven't seen anything um, to date on that. But the Western Lacrosse Association did announce their award winners starting today with the All-Star teams. And I'm pretty happy with all of the selections, actually. Uh, we'll start with the second team, uh, goalie Alex Bouquet from New West, defenseman Mike Messenger and Steve Priolo, forwards Ben McIntosh, Chase Fraser, Mitch Jones. That's a fantastic second all-star team. Your first all-stars, Eric Penny from Burnaby uh, on defense, Justin Salt and Brett Mitski, forwards Robert Church, Corey Small, Eli McLaughlin. Only one of those names isn't in the National Lacrosse League, and that's Chase Fraser. And he's going to be very, very soon. Because he's going to be a top five pick. Mm, I think he's a top worthy of a top five. The way he played this summer, he's definitely, definitely a top five guy. And when you look at those teams, you know, just look at the talent that is on there. And, you know, he probably could have made a third all-star team or honorable mention, but um, I think... These two teams epitomizes the best of the best in the WLA, and I think they got it right. I don't really have any qualms about those all-star teams at all. So uh, kudos to the WLA for getting it right, um, and the awards will continue to be announced this week. Uh, tomorrow goes Rookie of the Year, then they'll do Coach of the Year, the three-star award, regular season scoring champ, and then finish on Thursday with the outstanding defensive player, outstanding goalie, and outstanding player. So, wow, there's going to be four, three awards, four awards announced tomorrow. We already know one of them, and that's the scoring champion, which was Corey Small. He won the trifecta, goals, points, and assists. Uh, We also know the score, or sorry, the three-star awards. I just can't find it. I don't know where that stat is kept. I, I thought I knew where it was, but for some reason I can't find it. My guess is that it's either Robert Church or Corey Small. That's just my guess. It's got to be one of those two guys. Um, So those are the four awards that get announced tomorrow. And I still don't know who's going to be coach of the year. We talked about this last week. And nobody could give me a definitive answer and back it up with proper facts and evidence of who's going to be coach of the year. People kept on saying Jim Milligan. And what a hilarious story that would be if Millie wins coach of the year. Apparently, we're going to find out tomorrow. Along with rookie of the year, I'm going to say it's Chase Fraser. Coach of the year, truly, I have no idea. Uh, regular season scoring champion, Corey Small. Three-star award, award winner, Corey Small or Robert Church. Um, then this again, Thursday, outstanding defensive player, outstanding goalie, outstanding player. And usually, usually the way lacrosse works, especially in the Canadian league is you can pick out of the, what is it? 12 people that are on the all-star teams, six and six. Um, you can figure out who defensive player, goalie and outstanding player are going to be. So my guess is it's either going to be Justin Salt or Brett Midsky. 
for best defensive player. Outstanding goalie, it's going to be Penny or Bouquet. And your outstanding player is most likely going to be Corey Small. That's just how it works. So that's why, in my opinion, sometimes it's better to announce those all-star teams at the end than there's still a little bit of mystery of who's in the running for some of those awards. But I can't complain. Again, all-star teams, nice job, WLA Board of Governors. Um, that's who votes on them, just so you know, with consultation, as they say, with team executives and staff. Moving on, the Minto Cup. Game one of the best of five series between Six Nations and Coquitlam goes tonight. Um, a battle of two NLL goaltenders, Christian Del Bianco, Doug Jamison, two of the best up-and-coming young goaltenders in the game of lacrosse. And that series goes tonight. They'll play three in a row, take a day off, and if needed, play two more. And as promised last week, we bring Pat Gregoire back to the show. He and Matt Carrick are calling all the games live on JVI. And if you want, you can go and watch the game tonight. It's on pay-per-view. $9 US, I believe. And so when I caught up with Mr. Gregoire, we were talking about the difference in weathers from BC to Ontario, and it's always sunnier in BC. But we started talking about uh, the round robin and how everyone predicted that it was going to be Six Nations and Coquitlam in the finals, and that's what we got. But we thought that Okotoks and Mimico would give those two teams um, a lot of trouble. And Mimico held up their end of the bargain. They played very well. Uh, they finished in third place, 1-2. and two. Okotoks 0-3, oh uh, but they lost all three games by a total of five goals. And... As M, or sorry, as Patty tweeted out after the round robin, Okotoks is not an 0-3 club. They had Six Nations and Coquitlam both in deep water, but just couldn't hang on. Same with the game against Mimico in that third, fourth placing game, essentially, at the end of the round robin. So I asked Patty, what is his takeaway, and how would he rank the play of both Mimico and Okotoks? Uh, you know what? I mean, you, you nailed it on the head. I think a lot of people anticipated that, you know, Six Nations and Coquitlam uh, were going to advance, and that's what happened. But especially Okotoks, I mean, you look at the game, uh, they played Six Nations the tightest. After 20 yeah. minutes, they had a lead. They basically led pretty much the entire entire game. Uh, you know, the 40 minutes that they did have the lead, they were it was back and forth. But that first period, they dominated play, and they kind of – jarred six nations and you know six nations said and i talked to Corey highfield uh at the end of the second period he said they knew uh that it was going to be a tough game it's the minto anyone who's there is great but you could tell you know i think he was being a little bit more politically correct i didn't think that they thought this okotoks team was going to be that fast mm -hmm. that great on offense it kind of you know it kind of Got them off surprise, and if it wasn't for, you know, a couple of standouts on offense, including Austin Stotts, who kind of took over that game, Okotoks easily could have won that game. And even those two other losses that they had uh, as well, especially the Coquitlam in the first uh, or that second game on day, uh, day two, yeah. and even with Mimico in that elimination game, uh, Mimico kind of just pulled away near the end. But, you know, and even with Mimico as well. Yeah. Um, 
it just seemed like with Mimico, they didn't put a full 60 minutes together until that last game against uh, Okotoks. And we saw the same thing where, you know, when they went on to play Coquitlam, the big X factor was Christian Del Bianco. They had mm-hmm. no, no answers for him. Uh, they had a little bit of a goalie carousel with Shanahan and, uh, and uh, Hutchcraft going back and forth, back and forth. And you look down in the other end, Del Bianco was just standing there. But overall, both those teams, I mean, if, if one bounce goes here and there, especially for Okotoks, one of those teams easily could be in that finals uh, playing Six Nations right now. Yeah, it's crazy just looking at some of the box scores. You talk about that game against Six Nations. Uh, Okotoks had the lead for much of the game. If it's not for a 5-2 third period, um, Okotoks probably wins it. Uh, in yep. the game against Coquitlam, they led the entire game until Coquitlam scored that game winner late in the third. They only lose that one by a goal, and they lose to Mimico by a, by two goals. So, you know, in their three games, they're only minus five or whatever it is. So yeah. that's, a, that's a pretty strong showing for a team to win 0-3. And, 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 you know, I know Andy McBride and his group is, you know, un, you know, not happy with the way it finished, but they're all proud of the way their boys competed. And just goes to show how close that gap is now getting between Alberta and the rest of the, and the country because this Okotoks team, and like we saw with the Mountaineers last year, a uh, team that can compete on a Minto Cup stage and compete with the best of the best. And it, it's great for the game of lacrosse, isn't it? it oh, it's, it's huge. And we talked about it last week as well. It all kind of starts with the, you know, the midgets and the mm-hmm. grassroots level. And one thing I've really noticed with that uh, Okotoks team, sure, I watched them on – on YouTube, a couple of games, including their, their, their championship. But the thing that I was most impressed was how well they ran that offense, you know, yeah. the stick skills that they had. Because traditionally, you know, Alberta teams, they're always big boys. They always are great in transition. They can move the ball up the floor. They're great athletes. Mm-hmm. And the big difference that, you know, usually comes is it's the goal-scoring ability. Well, you know what? Their offensive players really came out to play. Uh, it was, you know, McIntyre. Travis Getz, those are two guys that are born and raised, uh, you know, in the greater Calgary area. So they're, they're local uh, talent there. They're, and they were filling the net, um, you know, their offense at, at all times were moving. And that's what I think kind of gave Six Nations a little bit of trouble because they were the only team that has been able to get to the middle of, uh, of this Six Nations stingy, stingy defense. Uh, and that's why Okotoks had some success. They got to the middle. Uh, you know, they got their noses in the dirty area. And I think that's what was so successful for them, that they were they were able to get to the middle where, you know, a team like Mimico and even Coquitlam in that, uh, you know, game for first place, they were flogging shots from the outside. They couldn't get to the middle, and they had no answers, obviously, from the outside on, on Doug Jameson. So Okotoks, I mean, I knew that they, from, you know, talking with uh, Andrew McBride before and listening to what he said on your podcast, that they were going to be, they weren't going to get outworked. You know, they, they were going to be fast. They were going to play the game right. But I was very impressed with, you know, how great they were offensive. And, and it all starts at grassroots level. Yeah. And that, that gap, I don't think there's really a gap next year. And we're going to see it, you know, even more next year with it being in Alberta. In Alberta yeah. Maybe if the, if, if the Mountaineers have a good squad together, I mean, that, that could be a really, really big, big, big uh, Minto Cup for uh, the province of Alberta. I think that's going to be a, a huge storyline next year going into that Minto Cup with two Alberta teams in it. Who knows what could happen? Um, but this year, the focus is on Coquitlam and Six Nations in the final. You talked about that final round robin game, the one for first. And is a 9-2 score indicative 
of how this series is going to go, or was it an off night for the Adnacks? Yeah, I, I definitely don't think that that's how the series is going to go. I do think, um, you know, from top to bottom, that Six Nations right now has, has you know, on paper the best team here. But that effort that we saw against Coquitlam, it just looked like they ran out of gas. They, yeah. You know, Devin um, Thomas Semple wasn't in the lineup as well. He was one of their, you know, top point producers, not just uh, in the regular season. He actually led them in scoring um, as well in the postseason. So he wasn't in the lineup there. He's going to be he back in the lineup against Mimico. Um, so that's obviously a big, big boost. But Six Nations did a really good job um, taking away the transition game, which is huge for Coquitlam, uh, you know, with guys, beats like Eli Salama and uh, Reed Bowering, who I thought, you know, at points took over the game uh, against Mimico. So if they can have big-time performances like that, uh, you know, score in transition, help out their offense, because their offense at times are going to have a hard time beating Doug Jamison, mm. just like Six Nations is going to have a hard time of beating, um, you know, beating Christian Del Bianco, because even though he let nine goals, he was unbelievable that game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Arrows haven't played since Saturday. Uh, this is their first game in, in four days or three days. Uh, obviously, that rest helps. Coquitlam's only had one day off since the tournament started. What do you expect from uh, a game one tonight that's really going to set the tone, the tone of the series? I think it's. I think both teams are going to come out flying. I know it's cliche, but uh, you've got a team, two teams really, that both have experience. Um, you know, at at the Minto Cup level, at the NLL level, Del Bianco between the, the pipes and Jamison between the pipes as well for for Six Nations. These are two teams that know what it has to take and. Talking to Austin Stotts in between, actually at the end of the game uh, against Mimico, he said, you know what, there's not much room for error in a short tournament like this. Yeah. Um, you know, once once you get going in the finals, we wanted to clinch uh, first place just so we got that day off to rest up, and, you know, take a couple ice baths. And once you get to the finals, he said it's ground running because you don't have much time for error. And I think, you know, with these two teams that are so close, um, you know, a couple bounces here or there could be the difference between, you know, raising that mental cup and watching the other team do it. They'll play five games in six days if necessary. Do you think it goes that far? You know what? Uh, if number 35 is in between the pipes for, for the Adnax, I could see it. The guy has been unbelievable, uh, not taking anything away from his team, but uh, he's been, you know, a true, true game breaker for them. Uh, he, he's been awesome. You know, he had, you know, didn't have the, the best game against Okotoks, but for that's for his standards for anyone mm-hmm. else. It was a great game. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. but, uh, you know, if he's in between the pipes, absolutely. I think they're very close. Like you said, that nine, two game, that doesn't tell what this can be. Um, you know, I, I definitely think that this, this series is going to be a lot closer than a lot of people, uh, anticipate. But with that being said, uh, Six Nations, everyone's talking, obviously, about, you know, Austin Stott, uh, Tohoka Nanticoke, uh, even Corey Highfield having a, a big tournament as well with mm-hmm. the offense, and Doug Jamison in between that. But for me, it's been that defense that has been just so, so huge, uh, you know, just allowing shots from the outside, so disciplined in their systems. Uh, it it kind of goes unnoticed how good that defense really is. You've spoken of Christian Del Bianco quite a bit. Who's been the standout player in this tournament? Well, I mean, if, if I had to pick one, it's, you know, Del Bianco right there. I think he, uh, he's he been incredible. Uh, when his team 
you know, takes a shift off, maybe even a couple in a row, he's there uh, bailing his team out. He's been unbelievable. Not to take anything away from the other goaltenders, you know, Doug Jameson as well. He's been very good. Uh, we talked about it on the last time I was uh, on the show, yeah. how the good the goalies would be. And I mean, it, it, it really, really was, uh, you know, just to see how great all the goaltenders really were. Kevin Orleman, I mean, watching him, it honestly, when that game was over, he kept his bottoms on, didn't leave that rink for two hours. <laughs> he had to, he was on the floor and it was so crushing to see him. And he put on one heck of a performance as well. I think the goaltenders really, really stole the show here, but there's been, there's been so many great performances. Uh, you know, Denon Armstrong as well, leading the tournament right now yeah. with 15 points. Uh, he is a really special player. He really, you know, quarterbacks that offense for Coquitlam uh, and, you know, opens up so much more space for other players. I could tell, you know, against Mimico, Mimico really keying on him while other guys were able to, to open up uh, there as well. You know, uh, Will Clayton had a great game and it really opened up for other guys. Uh, and I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Reed Bowering has been yeah. nothing short of an animal. Five-on-five, uh, one-on-one defense, he's been probably the best defender. And then when they needed him most to kind of help out in the transition game, he scores two goals, two huge goals off transition, just taking the ball to the net and bowling through guys. He's a guy that just shows. I mean, you look at his resume, um, you know, he goes to Driftful. He's a midfielder. He scores at that level there. Mm-hmm. And you see the field game translate there. Because even though his, you know, number one job is shutting down the the best uh, players, offensive player, or the best teams, offensive players, uh, he's able to do other things, and I've been very impressed with him. Before we let you go, um, obviously with it being a brand, there's no quote unquote home team. We talked last week about how Mimico might have a slight edge, kind of being the closest team to that area. But uh, how have the crowds been, and, and what do you expect crowd wise um, for this series between Coquitlam and Six Nations? You know what? Uh, crowds have been awesome. Obviously, like I said, when, when Mimico played, uh, especially last game against Coquitlam, uh, they had definitely had the home uh, four advantage. Yeah. Lots of lots of people coming from South Etobicoke to support the boys uh, out there. But, I mean, any game, really. Uh, you know, a lot of Okotoks family and uh, Coquitlam family has traveled as well, and obviously some family members who – uh, you know, live here in Ontario if the boys, yeah. have, you know, moved out west. So I think the crowds are going to be great. Coquitlam's, uh, you know, fan club that they've brought have been loud as well, too. So uh, I think I think Six Nations obviously going to have an upper hand here as mm-hmm. they're, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, about an hour away here from Brampton. But uh, And then there's been a lot of, you know, casual lacrosse fans as well. You know, no allegiances. They're out here to, to watch great lacrosse, and they haven't been disappointed. This has been a really, really uh, solid tournament. Obviously, maybe the standings don't show the parity, but I honestly, truthfully think that, you know, all four of those teams could have been deserving for the top two finish here. There he is. That's Pat Gregoire, color voice of the Minto Cup. You can find him on Twitter at P Greggy. That's P G R E G G Y. Pat Gregoire. Uh, he's calling the games with Matthew Carrick. You can find the games on JVI, the website, um, and they are having all the games on uh, webcast pay-per-view. I didn't mention this when we were talking about the MSL, but uh, shout-out to Daryl Smart and everybody with Six Nations um, and Peterborough involved uh, in getting the MSL game streamed live and everybody who steps up 
uh, to sponsor those games so that they can stream the games live. So if you want to watch the MSL Finals, which I think we all do, stay tuned to the Six Nations and Peterborough and Major Series uh, Twitter accounts. Uh, They'll be tweeting out a link later. I'll do the same thing once I find it. Um, But it's great that those games are going to be live and streamed on TV. Usually, I think it's a YouTube channel uh, that Six Nations streams out of. um, So that's probably where the game will be. Um, So you can check that out because I know I will be. That's what I'll be watching as soon as I leave the studio and getting ready to watch Shamrocks and Belly. So we are nearing the end of summer season. We have one Champions Cup or championship in the books. That is the Founders. That's been won by the Orangeville Junior B Northman. Shout out to B Looney and all the crew over there with that coaching staff that helped the Northman win another Founders Cup. The Minto Cup will be over by the 27th. And speaking of the 27th, that is when the President's Cup will begin. And all the teams have now secured their berths. Ganawagi Mohawks, the Ladner Pioneers, the Native Sons, the Nova Scotia Privateers, Saskatoon Brewers, Six Nations Rivermen, Six Nations Slash, St. Albert Miners, and the St. Regis Braves. Uh, go to presidentscup.pointstreaks.com. You can find the website there with stats, game sheets, schedules, all that good stuff. And I'm sure that there will be webcast information coming out in the coming days. Um, Hopefully, by the time we're back on next week, I'll have an update on that for you. So we're getting near the end. Junior A, Senior B, Senior A, Junior B, all that stuff is going down. But we've talked about the gap from BC and Ontario to the rest of the province. And how that gap slowly continues to close. And Alberta is at the forefront of the group, chasing the peloton, as it were, to use a cycling analogy. And Alberta is closing that gap. And case in point, uh, what Okotoks did this year at the Minto Cup, what the Mountaineers did last year at the Minto Cup, and as Patty and I discussed in our interview Probably what's going to happen next year when there's two Alberta teams taking on a BC and an Ontario team, the chances for Alberta to get into those finals double. And that would be a groundbreaking moment if an Alberta team was actually able to win their way through the round robin and the semifinal and get into that best of five final. And where this is coming from is the fact that the Alberta Midget team went to the Nationals and upset Team Ontario for gold. Now, you may think of yourself, oh, it's just minor Nationals. It's not a big deal. It is a major, major deal. And I don't think people truly believe how big a deal that is. BC can't even beat Ontario in those championships. And Alberta did. And the group that Dane Doby took to the Nationals and what they did on that national stage is nothing short of remarkable. And they should all be commended for what they did on the floor and off the floor representing uh, Alberta lacrosse 
and putting Alberta really at the forefront of the discussion of what's next and is that gap closing because it absolutely is. And when you're seeing success of these kids from Alberta against the two big hotbeds of BC and Ontario and they're winning games and they're winning national championships, that's huge. Then we see what's happening in Saskatchewan. That growth is becoming more and more evident. We're seeing what they're doing in the Junior A uh, in the Rocky Mountain League as well as the Junior B. Uh, They're having success there. Their minor programs are slowly starting to grow. And it's skipping all the way to Nova Scotia because what Chet Konezny and what Brandon Sanderson and all those guys are doing with those Nova Scotia teams, Nova Scotia is beating BC in lacrosse. And that's something I never thought would happen. And maybe it's a case of BC falling behind. Maybe it's a case of all these other provinces catching up. But if BC is not careful, they are really going to fall behind because these other provinces are gaining momentum. And what we're starting to see is those provinces put players onto big league junior A teams. Kids are wanting to either go to Ontario or come out to BC to play on top junior teams or we're going to start seeing more and more kids go to Alberta for a chance at a Minto. And next year is going to be a huge evidence of that. Because with two Alberta teams, you can bet your ass that as many of the four teams in Alberta in that Rocky Mountain League, heck, maybe even Saskatchewan tries to load up a team for the Minto Cup. But it's going to be a serious, serious thing when we start to see kids from Saskatchewan and Alberta and Nova Scotia start to get drafted into the senior leagues, start to get drafted into the National Lacrosse League, and we're starting to see with the minors, BC and Ontario aren't always the top two teams anymore. And thanks to Dane Dobie and his Alberta Midget Clubs, they're not even the top one team. So congratulations to Dane Dobie and everybody involved in Alberta lacrosse. I know Andrew McBride was through the roof uh, when he saw that the the Midgets had won uh, and what they're doing in Alberta and what Chet is doing in Nova Scotia and what Randy Trobeck is doing in Saskatchewan um, is just incredible for lacrosse. Manitoba is starting to come up, and we're, we are finally starting to see a true national game with the continued growth of our sport and guys giving back to the game. What I hope it leads to is a true junior league across Canada and maybe eventually a true senior league across Canada. That's all pipe dreams. But with the talk of Alberta teams wanting to join BC, but now Saskatchewan joining Alberta, like there's starting to be that merger. And I, along with some other people, have always felt the Canadian Junior League needs to start to model itself after what Canadian Junior Hockey has done and find a way to reach coast to coast, make the game worthwhile for the kids. Make it competitive across the country. And who knows how big it can grow. Because we hear everybody talk about grassroots and and the growth of the game. That's where it starts. We still have a long way to grow the game here in Canada. Yes, we're the, the number one players of it 
in the indoor game in the world, but we're still miles behind so many other sports in this country. And we need to do a better job of making our sport as big and bold as possible. And a lot of that has to do in the minor system, and we are seeing it through what Alberta and Nova Scotia are doing and what Saskatchewan and Manitoba are doing. And I'm so excited for what the coming years have to hold uh, here north of the border. And let's not forget, everything that's being done by U.S. Box Lacrosse down south, they're putting serious money into kids playing box lacrosse now. And that game, if the indoor game, if it's truly done right and the U.S. Box guys continue to spread their umbrella across the country, the indoor game is going to take like wildfire down south. And... I have talked to many kids and many parents down there, and they all say the same thing. If we had more box across, our kids wouldn't play field all year long because they love the indoor game. And with guys like Bill Tierney and Dom Starja and Randy Mearns and Mark Mayashita, all these coaches that are in NCAA, I just rattled off a couple Canadian guys just to you know, throw in the mix, but American college coaches want guys with box experience, and American players are realizing... They're losing jobs to Canadians with box experience that can play field lacrosse. And so the growth of the game in the U.S. of the indoor game is huge and imperative to the success and long-term success of the National Lacrosse League in the indoor game. And we're starting to see fruits of that labor. The U.S. box and nationals were another massive success. We're seeing the U.S. box national teams come up to Canada play junior A and intermediate teams, and win games. We're seeing uh, the teams go to the Calgary Day, Canada Day tournament. They're going to the Ontario Lax Festival. They're coming and playing in the Trevor Wingrove tournament. The growth is there. We just need to keep building it. And seeing success stories like U.S. Box Nationals and the Alberta Midget Club um, just is throwing double rainbows all over the lacrosse world because it's so awesome. And I truly am so excited for what's to come in the near future. Uh, Speaking of the future, the National Lacrosse League Junior Tournament goes this weekend in Oakville. And it's the start of the ramp up towards the draft and towards the combine. And what we're seeing, again, National Lacrosse League teams putting these junior teams together is fantastic. The best part about it is National Lacrosse League players being a part of these teams. And you can go across the board uh, of all the teams that have guys participating in these events to help coach these young kids and to put them in a chance and a position to win this NLL Junior Tournament. And you don't think that... Those guys, the NLL guys, I mean, take it seriously because that's bragging rights. And you know that a guy like Dan Dawson, who was just announced, is going to be helped coach the Toronto Rock, or sorry, the Toronto Rock, the Rochester Nighthawks junior team. You know he's going to want to go against the Toronto team and the Buffalo team and beat them with his group. And you know that, you know, Dylan Ward and... Jeremy Noble are going to want to lead the Colorado team over Vancouver and Calgary. And 
like I said, those are bragging rights. And y- you bet there's some Twitter chirping and Instagram and Snap stories going around of guys just trying to get in each other's heads, have some fun with it, because it is truly all about the kids. But there will be some competitiveness there between the coaches. And you'll expect expect some goalie sneaks and a little bit of chirping back and forth. It's all in good fun. It is for the kids, but... When you put lacrosse guys in a competitive situation, you darn well better believe the fire is going to come out. And uh, it's going to be a great event. Once again, it's going to go down at the Toronto Rock Athletic Center as well as the nearby Glen Abbey Community Center in Oakville uh, from Friday the 25th to Sunday the 27th. Uh, Clubs from Buffalo, Calgary, Colorado, Georgia, New England, Rochester, Saskatchewan, Toronto, uh, and the Vancouver Stealth as well as a junior Edmonton team and a junior Philadelphia team. And each club pretty much has three teams, Peewee, Bantam, and Midget Levels. Uh, It is going to be absolutely fantastic. You can go to NLL.com for more information. Uh, They'll have stats and scores and all that up to date uh, as the tournament goes along. But um, just a final summer tournament for a lot of these young kids. I remember when I played lacrosse, by the time you got to August, you were done if you're you know, a peewee, 10, 12 years old. Now these kids are playing deep in August with uh, their travel teams and then the Nationals and now the NLL Junior Tournament. And when you think that, you know, you take nine NLL teams, give them each three, that's 27 clubs times, call it 20. Quick math, 454, something like that. I don't know. And then you add a couple more teams, like there's close to 500 kids going to be at the track this week. And that's incredible. And they're not all Canadian kids. A lot of them are American kids learning the box game, learning how to play indoors. And I don't think it will be long before we can point at a kid and say he played in the NLL Junior Tournament in 2017, and now look where he is. He's an NLL champion. I'd like to know who the first kid to go through this whole program and to win a title. Uh, We've seen Holden Katoni. um, He was a ball boy for the Calgary Roughnecks and eventually drafted by the Roughnecks, and he's working with that. So that's a pretty cool story. Um, You know, there's been kids, some of these young Americans that are starting to get into the game. uh, You know, they grew up watching the Philadelphia Wings or uh, the Buffalo Bandits, and and now look at a guy like Joe Rezateritz and Joe Walters, Rochester guys that grew up watching the Nighthawks, now they are in the National Lacrosse League winning titles. It's a great story. And it's one to keep an eye on and, you know, start paying attention to some of these names that are, you know, we look at all the names in the Minto Cup, you know, the Austin Stotts and and the Dokananacokes and the Del Biancos and Rittingers and all these guys that are either in the NLL or going to be in the National Lacrosse League. Well, start looking even younger. Look at the intermediate division here in BC. Look at the guys that are playing in the Midget Nationals um, and the Bantams and Pee Wee Nationals. Like, if you go on those Ontario and Alberta provincial national teams from the Midgets in, so what, they're like 15, 16 years old. So in seven years, call it, give them time to get through college and high school and being in the NLL, there'll be guys on those two teams that are in the National Lacrosse League. I can guarantee you. And they can all say that they were coached uh, by NLLers. They were all, you know, a part of this next generational wave of lacrosse players that 
were inspired by NLL players and the NLL Junior Tournament and everything that they've learned through U.S. Boxla. We never had that when I was a kid. And you could ask the majority of the guys that are over 30 in the National Lacrosse League never had those national championships or travel teams or rep teams or NLL junior turns. None of those things existed. You might get lucky to go to a few tournaments here and there or you get to play in provincials, but that was about it. There weren't a lot of box nationals. There was for a while. I remember my brother playing in them. And then it kind of stopped for a few years or just whenever it was, it was never my year. But it's great to see the kids now able to play lacrosse a little bit longer throughout the summer. Keep the sticks in their hands, continue to get better and see more talent because, yeah, sure, you know what? You could have a team that is fantastic and they beat everybody in BC or Alberta, wherever they're playing, but once you get out of your province and you play kids from elsewhere, that's when you really start to grow, you really start to learn, and you start to build those friendships that will last a lifetime. And a lot of this gets kind of brought up because I was watching the Little League World Series and they were kind of talking about this and how um, they're trying to figure out if there's anybody who had won a World Series, a uh, Little League World Series, and an actual World Series. And and just the, the talk of the growth of baseball and, and how many kids are playing it, and that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it here, is because I don't think we have any yet. But soon, soon enough, we'll have kids who have played in the NLL Junior Tournament, won the NLL Junior Tournament, been drafted into the NLL and won an NLL title. It's going to happen in the next decade. And I think it's a pretty cool story. Sticking with the National Lacrosse League before we get out of here for another Tuesday night. Um, just some um, uh, NLL transaction stuff. Vancouver Stealth signed Brian Rice. Uh, he was an original draft pick of the Rochester Nighthawks, uh, but didn't make it through camp, so the Stealth signed him to a one-year deal. The Rock signed Brent Albicus or I think I said that right, Obicus, that's about right, uh, to a one-year deal. Um, he's a free agent. He, he's from Oakville. Played a couple games with the Oakville Rocks, so we have some familiarity uh, with Jamie Dowick. Uh, the Bandits re-signed Blaze Riordan to a one-year deal. Uh, we talked about Boom Boom Casey Beerns last week. He's on the retired list. Bandits put Adam Will on the holdout list. And the Georgia Swarm traded Reed Acton to the Buffalo Bandits in exchange for a conditional sixth-round selection in 2019. Don't forget the NLL Combine goes in three weeks or so. It's September 16th. The schedule is out for all of the events. Um, so if you want to go and watch it, I believe you can. I'm pretty sure it's open uh, to the public. Combine starts at 6. Testing ends at 7.30. Then they'll have a practice from 8 to 9.30 on the Saturday. And then on Sunday, they'll have a scrimmage plus a break. And then they'll do some interviews, another scrimmage, and then some more interviews. And then the next night on the 18th, which is the Monday, they will have the NLL draft. And hopefully the Man Cup is over by then. Well, it will be officially over, but um, that weekend is the last weekend of the Man Cup. So hopefully it will be over. And um, anybody that's 
eligible can get to the combine and the draft in time and all the GMs and coaches can be there as well. Again, still nothing on Hall of Fame from the National Lacrosse League. I reached out to the league again today. Uh, didn't hear anything back from them, so just kind of have to play the waiting game. What we aren't waiting for is to see who wins the Major Lacrosse League Championship as that went down over the weekend. And your winners, the Ohio Machine, as they knock off the Denver Outlaws in a fantastically well-played lacrosse game over the weekend. With only 10 seconds left. The seconds are ticking away. And there it is! For the first time in franchise history, the Ohio Machine has won the Major League Lacrosse Championship. The Machine has motored to the title. All cylinders firing. Ohio has done it. That's a lot of motor analogies there, but uh, that call courtesy of the fine folks at CBS Sports Network. Um, congratulations to the Ohio Machine. Uh, that's a club that has been searching for a championship, and they finally get it. Um, guys like Marcus Holman, Peter Baum, uh, Kyle Harrison, who's been around the league for quite some time. Uh, just an, an unreal group. I know Logan Schuss has probably given a little fist pump. Uh, that's the group that he used to play for, and they upset, or they knock off, sorry, uh, the Denver Outlaws by a score of 17-12. to 12. And one guy that I've yet to meet and really yet to have uh, a true one-on-one -on -one conversation with is, is a guy that I really look up to and admire in the lacrosse world, and that's Scotty Rogers. Uh, he was the backup for the Ohio Machine and, and just an incredible guy, an incredible motivator and team-first kind of guy. And um, the crew from LAC Sportsnet, Travis Elridge and Hank Hawkins, caught up with him after the game just to talk about uh, what the championship means to him and what a great group uh, this is for the Ohio Machine. That was one of the things, and always we always said – take a punch, make sure you give a punch. So if a team goes on a run, make sure we go on our run. So that was our motto the whole season, and it's kind of worked that way. We're a gritty bunch. You talk about the guys in this team. You have a two-time MVP now in Tom Shriver, Marcus Holman, Peter Baum, Kyle Harrison. What has it been like to be part of this group of, it seems like, just a group loaded of all-stars, but also guys that seem like they're fun to be around? Yeah, I mean, we just all kind of dropped our egos at the door when we got here, and uh, I think that's really been a big thing. Kyle Harrison's, you know, done things where he probably has never done that before, and, and myself and, and a lot of guys have just dropped their egos, and we call it selfless clarity, and that's a thing that we practice and we preach, and everyone does their job. We have one goal. It doesn't matter. In this league, no one cares if you have 10 goals because if you lose and you're 2-12, and 12, it really doesn't do much. So for us, it was how can we find a way to everyone contribute with all the like firepower we have. It's hard to be a backup in this league, oh, yeah. you know, at any position. But I think out of anybody, you own that role the best. Yeah. Uh, talk about Kyle Burnlore in this game and, and, you know, being able to support him uh, throughout the 60 minutes. We treated this like uh, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, <laughs> we've always said that all season, right? So, you know, he knows and he knows I'm a competitive dude and he knows I want to be out there, but he also knows I got his back. And that's important as a leader for me, uh, team first. And it's always been that way. It's always been be a mentor and then be – you know, don't worry about yours a little bit. So it's be a mentor to him, and I've watched him grow into this all-star goalie, probably the best goalie in the league to me, and, and it's been a pleasure to watch it. You don't take days off in the weight room, you know, in terms of communicating with the boys. I mean, a couple days here? Instagram uh, posts. I'm tell you, man, it, like, for this investment, it's emotionally draining, and this is why it's so special for us because we're group chat, and I'm making sure guys are fired up during the week. We're, even if it's like a 
stupid meme, you know? Like we're not just, just the guys, the, the world. Guys, the world. You're firing I'm up trying the world. To, I'm trying to motivate everyone. But, <laughs> but we have guys like that are so mild-mannered and, and calm that we have a great balance of guys that are really intense, myself and fiery guys like Jake Bernhardt. Then we got guys like Tony Schreiber, who you probably can't feel his pulse sometimes. And, and, and Kyle Burnlaw, you probably don't even know what time of the game it is because he's just the same. So it's just a good mix, and it, we're just happy it came together for this. Scotty, you got one. Congrats. I got one. I'm so, I still got some left, though. <laughs> Congratulations, Scotty. Congrats, man. The big rig, Scotty Rogers, taking home a championship here in Frisco, Texas. That's Scotty Rogers. Um, great job by... Travis and Hank to get him after the game and just listening to Scotty, you just want to go up and, and talk to him and, and get to know him. He, he's a very interesting person and, uh, like I said, a, an incredible motivator, um, a very empowering presence about him and just a, a world-class guy. So congratulations to him and, and the entire Ohio Machine crew. Uh, crazy little story about that MSL final game. It was played at the Ford Center. Um, which is on the campus of the Star, and it hosts the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters and serves the team's practice venue. It's a 12,000-seat indoor stadium um, and hosts tons of high school football games. Um, there's 15 restaurants, uh, the Ring of Honor, and there's a couple hotels. Like, there's a ton of stuff there. Um, and the MLO Championship weekend was all done down there. They had the awards. Their awards were fantastic, um, incredibly well done. And I uh, got to give a shout-out to Josh Byrne, who was named the MLL Rookie of the Year. Really no surprise um, about that one. He set a new MLL rookie record, so congratulations to Josh. Um, and the MLL season is done. And so the pro season is done. Thank goodness for Canadian lacrosse. So, yeah, that's about it. That's about all we have to talk about today here on the show. The folks out east have just tweeted out the MSL Finals link on YouTube. Easiest way, because I don't want to tell you all the thousand numbers and letters that are in the YouTube link. Uh, go to YouTube and search out Smart Media. That's Daryl Smart's media page. Uh, if you just go to there, um, I think there it's, uh, the logo is a little light bulb. It says Smart Media under it. Um, and the link is there for Game 1 of the Finals. I'm watching it right now. Uh, the crowd's starting to fill in. Six Nations taking their warm-up shots on Dylan Ward. And, uh, yeah, so there you go. You can watch a little bit of Game 1 of the MSL Finals, flip over to Game 3 of the WLA Finals. Maybe you're really lucky and have two screens and can watch them at the same time. And if you're extra, extra lucky, you have three screens, and you can watch the Minto Game 1 between Six Nations and Coquitlam as well. That will do it for another edition here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. My name is Teddy Jenner. Uh, thanks to Pat Gregoire for joining us. He's going to catch up with us next week. Just to wrap up with the Minto, uh, we'll touch base with the NLL Junior Tournament, and we'll update the Road to the Man Cup as always. And then whenever we are back with you, we'll update whatever else we can that's going on in the lacrosse world. I believe it's the final episode of Game of Thrones this weekend. So enjoy it if you're a throner. If not, maybe your eyes are burnt out from the eclipse. I don't know. I don't know who doesn't like Game of Thrones. But that's it. My name's Teddy Jenner. At Off the Crossbar. Email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Take a friend to a game. If you take a friend, take two. The more friends you have, the more fun you'll have too. Until next time, be excellent to each other. I lost, son.